0: Hey friends, I wanted to just welcome you to our CP table podcast, and I'm so glad to be able to join with you today and take some time to have a conversation. And I'm here with Pastor Reggie Wadlington, and uh, he's he's here with us uh, to share uh, in this conversation, and I'm so excited about the conversation that we'll be able to have together. And I wanted to first just uh, give a couple of CP updates. Um, We are continuing to have our outdoor service on Saturday night at 7, and Sunday at 9. And I want to invite you to come. If you hadn't had a chance to come yet, uh, feel free to come and join us if you're up for it. And if you're not, because I know that there's plenty of us for lots of different reasons not up for that yet, uh, join us online Saturday at 7 and Sunday at 9 11. And one, so that was the the main update. Everything's just kicking off. Our men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, small groups, uh, and if you haven't had a chance to yet, um, please do go on our website, mycenterpoint.tv, and click on Connect. And there's lots of opportunities right now. Everything's just getting started, so you can uh, begin to get connected in our church body. And uh, you know what? I wanted to, without too much uh, further. CP update stuff. Kind of dive into a conversation with Pastor Reggie. If you don't know Reggie, he's been part of our church for more than a decade. I think twelve years. Exactly, about twelve years. Yeah, and uh, and came to us. Was a pastor at a church in the San Diego County area in Oceanside, right? Yeah. And. Uh, already a pastor. And so when he became part of our church, I quickly realized this is a man of God who's gifted and able to bless God's people. And he's been a part of our team ever since and is one of our pastors at Centerpoint. And uh, I'm grateful for Reggie. Oh, it's been a blessing. Well, you've been a blessing. Thank you. You've been a blessing. Let me tell you a little bit about Reggie. Okay, so Reggie uh, was in the Navy. Yes. And what was your rank in the Navy?
1: I was a hospital corpsman stationed with our first uh, force recon. Okay. With the Marine Corps.
0: Some of you know exactly what all that means. (laughs) and Others of us are just nodding our heads and going, that sounds amazing. Uh, Kind of uh, special forces, but for
1: the Marine Corps, but as a medic, so to speak, hospital corpsman.
0: And then, if I if I know your story right, you moved after your time in the in the Marines into uh, running a medical research company. Yes, I had
1: uh, about six clinics between San Diego and L.A. We did clinical research, clinical trials.
0: It's pretty amazing, and uh, and in 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 that work, I mean, you helped uh, biochemical and sorry, probably. Uh, Biopharmaceutical pharma- companies in their process of developing, if I remember right, heart medicines.
1: Right. I did several different therapeutic areas
0: for primarily cardiology, um, drug, and device. Hmm. Okay. And uh, as you were running your company with six locations, doing medical research, you were also ministering as a, a pastor in the church in Oceanside at the same time. Yes, yes, and, a, a lot. <laughs> uh, but all of this kind of led to you uh, moving back to Murrieta, or up to Murrieta, and kind of taking a bit of an early retirement, and— uh, Right, due to illness, primarily. Yeah. A lot of illness. You know, we've uh, talked about that quite a bit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> But so, okay, so sort of, sort of an elephant in the room for me is, you know, here I am, a young white guy. Uh, uh, I say young because I'm referring to 12 years ago. I've grown okay. up a little bit. but uh, And you make the bold choice because you had been in a, in a predominantly black church before. All my life. All your life. Hmm. And you come up to Murrieta and decide, well, I, <laughs> we're going to go to this. And at the time, I would say Center Point was probably, not probably, it was predominantly black. Why church? I mean, oh, we were, yeah, we were looking around. We didn't see anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so just rewind the tape a little bit. What, what went into that decision for you? Because it's a kind of a bold choice to make. It is. I um,
1: had gotten sick and I was living up here, traveling to Oceanside to work in ministry, mm. and it just became too much. Mm. And so we sort of sat at home for a while while I healed and we thought of a place to um, fellowship. And um, we lived basically across the street from Centerpoint, and we would see every Sunday people that are going in there. I think, oh, that's a nice Caucasian church. (laughs) (laughs) So my wife and I decided to come, and actually the Holy Spirit prompted us to come. Mm. And I rode my bike into the office, and they were looking like, who's this crazy black guy on his bike in (laughs) the office? And I ended up talking with Lori Kessel, who used to go here, and she invited me, and we came back. Um, We came that first Sunday. And we were used to dressing a certain way, if you remember. We had on the full totally suit yeah. and the tie. And I think you were pretty much dressed like this. Yeah. And back then it was even more with the shorts and the right. sandals and all of that. And uh, we were looking around and we felt pretty uncomfortable. But the thing that kept us there was the amount of love that we felt. As soon as we walked in, not just the action of people welcoming you, but we could physically, tangibly mm. feel love in the church. Mm. And then when you got up and spoke, we were sold. My wife nudged me and said, this is our church.
0: Oh, that's so good yes. to hear. I love to hear that. That is a victory to hear that that was your experience. And uh, and then we fast forward to 2020. And I think probably both of us would, would acknowledge it feels like we're living with a greater amount of Racial tension oh, now than any any time in recent memory. Not in not in my lifetime, or certainly not in yours, but in in recent memory. Right. And and I find myself thinking, man, would that same love be felt today? And and I would I would hope so, but I don't know. And then we you know over the last few months, it just has been one episode after another of of evidence uh, that 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 would that would cause either of us as a white guy, as a black guy to to question whether it was even possible to, to love?
1: I think the love would be there um, the way it was for us, mm. but there will be resistance because of mistrust, because of anger or for whatever reason. And so I don't think a person would receive that love or even recognize it, mm. which would cause them to leave and miss mm. out on the blessing that God has for them.
0: You know, um, I want to take a moment and just uh, welcome some people that are joining us today. I want to say good morning, especially to uh, Stacy and Alma and Gretchen and Julie and Jean and Will. Thanks for taking some time to be with us for our CP Table conversation today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, w- I was thinking in particular because of what uh, took place on Sunday, I-, I unfortunately hadn't read the news. And I was preaching and I was picking up on, wow, everybody seems to be a little downcast today. Yeah. Is it the the clouds? Is it the, you know, the ash in the sky? And after church, I read the news about the two it's officers so sad. that got yeah, uh, so sad. murdered there. And, and I, you know, I think that is one of those things that we should talk about. So something else about Reggie that you may not know is that he was recently sworn in as the chaplain. For our Marietta Police Department, one of w- one of right. the chaplains, uh, and and is is in a sense part of our local police department yes. in an integral way, um, in a way that is different than the officers who are you know enforcing the peace, but it is right alongside of those officers. I just want to ask you, what led to you deciding? You know, I want to be a chaplain. Uh, with our police department in Murrieta, well, how did how did you arrive at making that choice?
1: I had a chance to get to know a lot of the officers. Uh, for one thing, it started off years ago when my wife she worked at Marietta Valley High School, and some of the. Research, research officers would show up, and you know they're working on the campus. So I got to know them through her. Mm. And then with me being involved with city government, as you know, I was planning commissioner for a while. I got to know a lot of the officers. And so my heart was for them, because I, before all this started, actually I, my thought was two years ago when I started the process. Mm. So me joining had nothing to do with um, the racial tension now. Right. My heart was before then, because yes. um, they were hurting. And, and also I was over um, TIP, the trauma intervention program. I was the president of the board. We would give awards out to the police officers and first responders um, every year, you know, top cop type award. Mm. And I noticed um, the tension in the room Mm. and even with the wives and and different things going on and some of the things I heard was going on in families because of their stress and not being able to deal with it. And so that was my heart, just to really help the officers. And um, although I do do community relations also. My primary job, the police officer's primary job is to protect and serve. My job is to protect and serve the officers, Mm. their physical well-being, their mental well-being, especially their spiritual well-being or whatever they need. Um, And it takes a while because, of course, they're guarded. So you have to sort of really get to know them and spend time. And unfortunately, because of COVID, I'm not spending as much time. There's no ride alongs, but I at least do go to the office twice a week or so. And would just walk around and Mm. speak to everyone and see how they're doing.
0: You know, I, I appreciate the the sacrifice you're willing to make to say, I will serve in a volunteer capacity as a chaplain for my local police department. Mm-hmm. And and that started two years ago before everything that's going right. on now. But then here we are now, and there's all of this outcry um, about what is called police brutality. It's and, like
1: God knew. He said, Reggie, I'm going to need you there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So— so here you are as a chaplain and uh, to police officers, and you come as a man of God. Mm-hmm. You come as an African-American man, right. and you come as a man with respect and admiration for the law enforcement, and it's all there. And then here we are in this public moment uh, mm-hmm. that's full of tension. How are you processing that?
1: I stick to the mission. Hmm. You know, God told me to do this, and so I do it. And it's funny, when I first um, became a chaplain, I always put things on Facebook. My wife said I put too much on Facebook. But I um, put on Facebook that I was now a chaplain. I just wanted the support and I wanted to see where people were. And I immediately lost 20 friends. Wow. And I don't know who, but yeah, I lost 20. Hmm. and I, But I gained um, 500 hmm. um, just in one night and the support that I had. Wow.
0: So that sort of said it right. (laughs) So let's, let's, I want to share a scripture. Okay. And I want us to then process the scripture a little together as two pastors who love God's word. And so it's, the scripture in Isaiah 61, and this is uh, the words that Jesus stood up in the synagogue and unrolled the scroll and read these words and said, this is what I'm about. You know, and these words are fulfilled through me right in front of you. And it's these words from Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from death darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I'm fired up when I read it. Oh yeah, those words, yeah. And yeah. right? I feel like, oh man, if that's what we get to be about, that's awesome. That's yes. glorious. Okay, so, so I mean, those words. How do those words just affect you? You know, as a as a pastor, minister of God's word and God's people. Well, first of all, how does it affect you? <laughs> well, like I said, it, it fires me up. Okay. But it also calls me uh, to account in a sense. Right. Especially when I read the, the words. Uh, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted yeah. and to comfort those who mourn and to restore that that cr- that crown instead of that ashes. And, um, and. And and now I'm looking at all kinds of brokenhearted, you know, I, I think about. Uh, over the last couple months, and we can, we can you know, review the, at least the, the names without even getting into all of the details, right. although the details matter, but um, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all of those incidences, and e- even if, you know, I was wanting to argue about the details of, well, hey, you didn't know about, and this, and, right. at the core, what I see is it has caused a lot of people to feel deeply heartbroken. Yes. Help, help it helped me understand it better. Like cuz I think a lot of people from the white community would just immediately say, well that person was a drug dealer anyway and well that person was actually reaching for their weapon, and blah blah blah. And you have a unique perspective cuz you you ride along with police officers, you're in, in that community and uh, and yet you might have uh, a perspective that could be helpful why, why does it uh, why does it seem to bring up so much pain
1: okay first i'll answer your first question from previously it is our mission like i mentioned about the police what my mission is and that is my way of performing my mission. Mm. And so no matter what venue we're in, we still all have the same mission. Mm. We may have a certain calling on our life, but that calling is to fulfill that mission of the scripture that you just read. Mm. And then right now we have an opportunity to fulfill that mission. God is saying, okay, this is a prime time for you to do what what I've called you to do as believers. But instead, most of us are aligning ourselves with the world Mm. and we're becoming part of the problem. And that is so sad. God is saying, you have this prime opportunity for world evangelism, basically. Yes. But we're messing it up. We're missing it as Christians, as believers. You have churches fighting on two different sides. When political party becomes more important than the word of God, mm-hmm. we're missing the big picture. Mm-hmm. Because I look at time. This is such a small, if I live to be 500 years old, it's a small speck mm-hmm. compared to eternity. Mm-hmm. And so why will we... Waste so much on this little moment of time because we're not thinking heaven, we're not thinking the future mm. to me, which means we don't really believe mm. the way we should believe, or we're not as knowledgeable as we think we are. Now, me being a black man, I have two different ideas on this. Mm. Um, not two di- different ideas on being black, I'm black no matter what, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I look at two sides of the, of the coin, yeah. I look at um institutionalized uh, racism. Mm. People say, well, the police are particularly racist. That's not true. If you go into any institution that's been around for a long time before blacks were allowed, the system is there. Mm. And so it's probably equal in the fire department, equal in the military, which I know I was in it, equal in the police department, but the police department happened to be in the public eye. Mm. So that's why they look like the the really mean guys, but they're no different than any other institution Mm. or the the club that people would go to. Mm. You know, it's the same thing. Now, as a black man, I look at it this way. Even though there's racism, which is real, and I've had shotguns held at my head as a teenager and told to get on the ground. Mm. I've been called the N-word so many n- times I thought it was my name for a while. Mm. And um and I know he can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, mm, should, should I laugh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah>. Right, right. Right. <laughs> like I always say, you're my friend, and we can talk, you know, so yeah. we get so we're honest. But also yeah. With all of that going on, I still have a responsibility as a human and as a responsible mm-hmm. adult or citizen to conduct myself right. Mm. You know, if I rob a store, if that's my past, that doesn't play into it. But if I just rob the store, mm. I sort of cause that You know, for myself. It doesn't excuse the behavior of the other person, mm. but I have to be wise in what I do. You can't um, rob a store, flip off the police officers, spit in his face, and then say police brutality. OK, and it doesn't make sense. Right. You know, we still have responsibilities. It's almost given African-Americans a pass to do what you want. And there's no consequences. And if there's consequences, then we feel we're being picked on. Mm. It, that's not true. Mm. Now, again, I'm not saying they aren't there aren't um, really bad police officers out there because they are. And I've dealt with them myself. We're fortunate here. Mm. Um, to not have that. Mm. And I'm sure there may be some hidden things, but overall, we have, for one thing, we have a very good police chief. Mm. And, you know, all of us actually meet people in the department and other chaplains once a month. Mm. We get on our knees Mm. and we're talking about top level people in the department. We get on our knees. We pray for the city. Wow. We pray for the police department. Thank you, Lord. And most of the prayers are answered. Wow. You know, and uh, even our chief, you walk into his office, he has his Bible open. Wow. You know, he has his worship music there. Wow. He has his guitar, like every other Christian plays guitar for some reason. I think it's a requirement. <laughs> um, but he doesn't push it on the officers, but he's there mm. for them. Wow. And it's such a blessing to align myself with him uh, to be able to do to work as a chaplain. So with us working together and other chaplains and other um, African-Americans in the department, we're able to make a true difference mm. because we see from both sides of the coin, but also mainly we see from Jesus. Mm. We're not just trying to come up with a practical solution. Mm. We're attacking it from a spiritual uh, solution first, uh, spiritual means first by prayer, mm. and then after that, everything else begins to line up.
0: Yeah, I I, I love what you just said, and my, I listened to a guy named Kenan Bryan. He's an African American preacher that uh, he goes live on Facebook all the time with prophetic words and whatnot. And um, and he he's you know he, he's part you know part of the African American community mm-hmm. it, you know in a in a power and with a powerful voice. And yet sometimes he says some things that don't seem to line up with like right now. Hey, if you, if you are African American, you, you should only feel outraged and angry. Yeah. And his, his perspective has been, hold on, I, that's, that's coming from the powers of this, of the air mm-hmm. and the spirit of, of this, the God of this world. Jesus is calling me to something higher than, you know, it just, you know, responding to the trigger that, uh, I wonder if you feel that sometimes like that tension between like well, this is, this is what I should should feel or and but this is what the lord has for me. It is it's a tension. There's some time I want to just slap the taste out of
1: people's mouth, mm, <laughs> you know, because mm. of the stuff they say to me. But I do look at a higher calling. Mm. You know, and people will say, well there's when you get to heaven there's no color. That's not true. If you read the scripture it talks about all nations. Yes. You know, so there is still color in heaven. You know, so if we don't get that right here, mm. you know, there's not going to but there won't be the African American corner. The, the white corner, the, the Chinese corner. We're all together, mm. you know, so we have to get that right here and now. And God is, is, is not just angry. I think God is just brokenhearted mm. because of what's going on. Say more about that. God being brokenhearted, he made his creation. He made us all unique. And he made us to, to celebrate those uniqueness yeah. in um, each other. Uh, when people get up, and I know they're well-meaning, and they say, well, I don't see color. To me, that means you don't see me. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned this in a previous conversation we had. Um, mm-hmm. You have to recognize people's culture because it's different. You know, you can't expect them to be like you, to, to for you to accept them. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to understand, but just support. Because oftentimes people will say, well, you have to make them understand. Well, I support those who were in the Holocaust and their family, but I will never understand. Mm-hmm. I'm not Jewish. I don't have that same the feeling to that depth that they would have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so for me to be forced to understand, it'll never happen, so there will always be uh, tension. Mm. But if I commit myself to learn about you honestly, yeah. uh, not because it's a, the politically right thing to do, but to learn about you honestly and support you and w- what you do, if it's godly, of course, mm. and um, you will be surprised with the friends you make and the new things you learn and the new foods that you may not... Thank you. Like my wife said, once there was a guy when she was younger, and she's an excellent Southern cook. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff I can't eat anymore because of health. I wish I could. (laughs) But uh, she made um, a large pot of collard greens, Mm. and there was a Caucasian guy at her party who had never had them. Mm. And so um, they were looking for him. And they were almost out of green. She went in their back. He had the pot in his hand, his fingers scraping the bottom of the <laughs> pot, trying to get the rest out. But had he had not aligned himself with a new group, he would not have learned something new in his life. And he became a close friend of everyone mm-hmm. in the group after a while.
0: You know, I was, uh, I've was i been reading uh, an excellent book by Miles McPherson called mm-hmm. The Third Option. And by the way, if, if you... Have questions about the issue of racial tension and what is your part in responding to the issues of racial tension? I highly recommend this book. Miles McPherson is an African American pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego, uh, former NFL football player, and and this book that he wrote I think is brilliant and helped has helped me a lot to just think about. The, the the importance of what Pastor Reggie just said, which is it's not really the, the best option to say, I don't see color because what that feels like uh, to Reggie is, I don't see you then, and I right. don't care about your family, your background, everything you've inherited from generations gone before you. It, it's dismissive, right? Yeah. But anyway, the third option, he talks a lot about what you just said, too, about that in, inside and outside, that in-group and out-group, and that thing called in-group bias Mm -hmm. that we don't even know we have. Like we have this bias to what we're an in-group of at the exclusion of everybody else. And it becomes like blinders that Mm -hmm. keeps us from even really seeing and understanding people well.
1: i like to say something, too, to uh, my Caucasian brothers and sisters. I don't blame you for for my plight, so to speak. Mm. Um, I don't blame you for, for slavery. You had nothing to do with that. You know, forefathers did. And so don't ever think that, I'm, that every black person is coming to you that way. I just want to be mm. seen now. Mm. I just want you to recognize that there is institutional racism, um, and I can't just get over it. Mm. You know, if someone's punching you, and after a while, you're tired of getting punched. You know, the person may walk by and say, "Well, get over it." Well, they're still punching me. It still hurts. Mm. You know, maybe you don't see it, but it's still happening.
0: Yeah, maybe you don't see it. I think is an important mm-hmm. <laughs> an important right. part of the conversation because I I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see it. I I and I, and in the last few months, I've definitely. Felt like there's been a lot of uh, conversations with white brothers and sisters that are saying there isn't any more mm-hmm. racism. It, that was that was done, you know, 46 years ago, uh, <laughs> and it's dismissive. Right. And, and
1: you I want to share share about that a little. Okay, and also I did want to say to my African American brothers and mm. sisters and other people of color, don't see what's not there. Mm. That's the other side of the wow. coin. You know, you approach someone and you automatically think, oh, they're prejudiced. Or my food is late at the restaurant because they don't like black people. Well, maybe there's an issue going on. Mm -hmm. You know, the waitress was mean to me because she doesn't like black people. Well, maybe her mother died this morning. You have no idea what's going on. so So you can't assume that everyone is against you. So I think if we all take those postures, especially from both sides, that will help solve the problem a lot. No assumptions are made. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. That is excellent. Mm-hmm. Pastoring, <laughs> you know, really. And that's life in general, you know, making an assumption of, of someone. And I'm on the road sometime. I'm yelling, move, old lady. And I have no idea what's going on with her. Maybe mm-hmm. she can't hear me, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's so good. That's important. Um, I, you know, I, I want to just ask a little bit more about the police department. Mm-hmm. You know this thing happens on uh, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, late Saturday night in Los Angeles. Okay, and so let me just be totally vulnerable. From okay. That. So what happened for me is I see I see the videos, and then I see some videos. I hope this comes out okay, but and it's videos of a couple of young African American men in the distance, but you know, phone videoing themselves saying "ha ha ha," right. you know. They just got wasted or whatever. They just got, you know, capped or whatever, ha, 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 mm-hmm. ha, laughing. And and all of a sudden, something's rising up in me, which is, it's unfair. But I, I have to confront what happens in me when I see a video like that. Right. What it makes me start to feel is those... And then fill in the blanks, and right. it's nothing godly. It's nothing good. And right. Well, I, I'm leaving. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I have to, I have to be careful in that moment. Right. And 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 what I was thinking this week is, you know, the way it felt for me to see that video of those young guys laughing about those police officers being gunned down. I wonder if it's a similar feeling for an African-American person who was watching, you know, the phone video of the George Floyd incident. Mm -hmm. And it almost you can't almost can't even stop it. Like it just rises up and you're like, whoa, What?" you know, and and it gave me a little bit of perspective. I was like, this is what that feels like. You see this video and it's those people Doing that, yeah, you know, I feel the sudden, same thing. Um, and then I'm mad at
1: those people. Yeah, I've been the same way, the same way. I fully understand when I see things happen, I have to watch myself um, and not all of a sudden become this person that I don't want to be. You know, mm-hmm. those people—they're always causing problems, and you know, and yeah, I fully understand how you feel.
0: Okay, I'm I I, I, I want to stay a little personal for a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that was a a process moment for mm-hmm. me, and and I think as Christians. We do need to guard our hearts. That's the scriptures. And when I found that feeling rising up in me because of watching that one video, I had to stop it and and I had to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. Th- those two guys that are laughing about that, they don't represent a whole right. race or, right. <laughs> or group of people. It's a couple of—and and they have their own life story of why they are where they are. Um, and I, I have to discipline myself as a Christian to mm-hmm. say, no. I, I, I'm I a lover. Like in the sermon this past weekend that I was sharing, I'm a lover. I'm yeah, a great lover, sermon. Of great <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> lover of God, lover of people. And I'm going to keep choosing love. Yeah. Even though that makes me mad, I'm going to keep choosing love. Um, okay. So you, you messaged me, you know, Reggie and I are friends and we, t- you know, text and talk a lot. And, you know, he, he was like, you know, I'm in the doctor's office and man, like there's these people, you know, they're just, and they got the you know the, their American flag shirts and Trump shirts and whatnot, but they're, they're looking at me, and it's that look. Tell me a little bit more about that. Can you share about that a little, yes. what that feels like and wh- what it is?
1: I always try to be careful, like I mentioned earlier, not to see something that's not there. Mm-hmm. But when you've been around for a long time and you're used to something, you know when someone's looking at you a certain way, or, for the most part. It's almost like... If you're in a room of children and there's a pedophile there, Mm. you can almost pick out, okay, that person's kind of a little too friendly, a little too Mm. whatever. There's something Mm. about them. Um, But with these people, they were uh, talking about Trump and make America great and different things, but they started talking loudly. Mm -hmm. And as they talked, they kept looking at me. And so I figured, well, let me make sure I don't have this wrong. So as I got up to go into the back with my wife, I looked at them, I said, hello. And they just looked at me and turned their head. And so I figured, okay, either they didn't hear me or I got it right. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I didn't get angry. I just prayed for them because actually more than anger now, I experience sadness, you know, sadness for one thing for on a personal, I guess, selfish level. I think I'm a pretty great guy, you know, just get to know me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a great person. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, I'm intelligent. I'm, I'm, I'm respected, all of that, but they see my skin. So automatically they assume that I'm a certain way mm. or that I'm not a Trump supporter and I'm not going to say who I support or don't because that'll open up a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, I almost <laughs> regret that I went there uh, a little bit because it is a can of worms. Right. Um, so that's how I see it. I, I um,
0: And I'm rambling now and I
1: literally forgot the question yeah. you just asked me.
0: Well, just, I mean, I guess I wanted to allow our friends who are part of Center Point listening to our conversation. Mm-hmm. To hear, like, hey, there there actually are moments. This was this week for you, you know, or or last week for you. And that it's not like, oh, yeah, this stuff is from 46 years ago, Mm -hmm. and then that's when, you know, uh, it it all ended or whatever. That it's current reality. I can
1: become, you know, and for me, it's it's different. Sometimes I almost feel like I'm out of touch with African-Americans because I think our—I'm not sure what the percentage is now in our city, but when I first moved here, it was like less than 1% black, yeah. and it's still very low. And so i become— shielded from a lot of the stuff that happens, because I don't get pulled over by the police here. I don't get profiled. I don't deal with blatant um, racism. Um, thank, God. thank God. Thank God, really. Thank you really.
0: for a police chief, like you said, who guides a good department yes, to yes. create that kind of... And for
1: the most part, I've reality. had great respect here at the church. I yeah. am um, um, i don't know if it's true anymore, but I think I'm probably one of the more um, requested... Pastoral counselors, I guess you could say and so and that's primarily of Caucasian people of course Mm -hmm. And so I do have that here And so when I have someone who lives in like in LA a friend or in the south You know relative and they're telling me about all this stuff and how can I be with the police and I don't understand it anymore Because I'm Mm -hmm. out of that environment. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, It's probably more social economics than it is racism when you think about it Say a little bit more about that Because I'm out of that environment where there is where I grew up, where we were poor. Yeah. You know, so we were all in a certain community and treated a certain way because we were poor. Mm. Now I moved up to the big league, like they say on the Jeffersons. <laughs> Got my chance at bat. Moving on up. <laughs> Moving on up. And so um, here yeah. is more about money, I believe. Yeah. You know, with me being educated and, and fa- fairly well off, um, I'm accepted. I think if I lived in, I don't know if we have any poor parts in Marietta, but if I lived in a different area of Marietta dressed differently, I would be treated differently. Mm. Not so much because of my color, maybe because there's more of us in that particular environment Hmm. and so when they see um an environment where people are less fortunate there may be a lot of blacks and so then that's that's when it becomes those people Hmm. no different than when it's a white neighborhood and there's a lot of people who are poor Hmm. they become those people so to speak
0: you know i will always be grateful that you did choose when you moved up to Marietta to say you know i've been a part of the black church my whole life i'm gonna but the love of God is present at Center point. I'm going to be a part of it. Yes. I, I will always be grateful. It's always been a desire of mine that our church would be uh, multicultural, mm-hmm. multi-ethnic, Really, not because of, but mostly because of what you said before, that this is, that's the reflection of the image of God. Yes. And, and the picture of heaven uh, yes. from every tribe and tongue and nation. And, yeah. and I I, I want to, like you said before, we, we need to get that now. We do. And, and, I, I, and, but it takes a choice like you've made. And so to every other African-American brother and sister who has uh, said yes to being a part of uh, what has been a predominantly White Church. I'm so grateful. And 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 any anyone else. And and my commitment is to say I want to keep on mm-hmm. ensuring that our church can be a safe, loving, healthy, honoring environment for all of us. And, mm. and sometimes that means we got to talk about some stuff because yeah, we, we can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend that nothing's happening because right now there's a lot of pain. And the Bible that we read together said he has sent me to bind up the broken heart. Yes. Not to just dismiss their pain, <laughs> you know, not to just mm-hmm. say eh, it doesn't exist anymore. You know,
1: I have a question for you. And it's, I know it's um, deep because we've talked before a little bit and there's been some wounds because of it. As a pastor, and, and trust me, I thank God for you and Anne so much, because you're not afraid to stand up for things, um, even if it means losing members, losing friends. You know, on that subject, you've mm-hmm. stood up for—I'm for, not saying you've supported Black Lives Matter, but you supported all people. And so you're not afraid to, to go against the status quo. With you doing that, I know that you've personally lost people in your life who used to go here who supported you. Um, you've had a lot of backlash. I don't know. Maybe you've had death threats. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I know you've uh, taken a lot— to stand up for what's right. How does that feel? How do you deal
0: with that? You know, it, it, I don't want to re- receive that and sort of say thank you. Yeah, it's been so hard. And, right. and no, I mean, I, I think it's what I should do it, right. it, 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 out of love. You know, Could for you, be you surprised how many don't. <laughs> Diane and a bunch of other friends that I just, I want to be one body with. Right. And that means I got to, so, but yeah, it, it stinks to see people that I thought I was their pastor, which would mean I was the one discipling them, right. just evidencing a, a total lack of love and, and a bitterness it, it, that stinks. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the issue of black lives matter is, it's so sad to me. It's so sad. It's so sad what's taking place Mm -hmm. because i feel like we've regressed as a society oh yeah i feel like three years ago four years ago things were coming to a better place where we could love one another as black and white and whoever else and more and more and then all of a sudden this this there's this eruption and you know i I think some of it is honestly i think people that kenan bridges i referenced before Mm -hmm. he's he's african-american but he's one saying no, like, we're being played. Oh, yeah. We, we in the, he, his words, we're, we in the African-American community are being played by the powers of the air to, that are trying to do something political and use right. us. And use the media. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and so it's, it's so sad to me that the way that that has been hijacked, and I want to be able to say, unequivocally, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. but even to say that... It,
1: it has triggers. many meanings. For it different has many people. meanings. Yeah. And,
0: and so I, I will substitute. Black lives are beautiful. Black lives are honorable. Black mm-hmm. lives are lovable. <laughs> Black mm-hmm. lives are precious. Like, j- And I would all of the above. Right. And because I want to avoid the the political trigger of an organization. But I do want to say, I, I think that as a whole, I, I want to be one speaking out as an right. ally with a voice to say, uh, yes, if there's pain, I, I want to hear about it because I want to heal it because my Jesus told me that that's what we do is yeah. we heal the brokenhearted. I don't ignore. And if if people in the African-American community are going, we feel brokenhearted. I mean, maybe they're not, maybe not all African-American people are saying it in those words. Right. Yeah. And you know what else stinks to me is it stinks that what could have been like protest has become hijacked by some radical group that has nothing to do with actual... You know, let's let's talk about racial justice or racial tension. It has more to do with let's just destroy things because we want to burn stuff up and 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 (laughs) and take. Yeah. And then and then we don't get to have this conversation, like a normal, helpful healing conversation. And instead, people that might have four months ago been on a journey of, you know, I do need to open my heart to issues of, of racism. Instead, the opposite is happening. Right. They're going. Forget that those people, you know, and right. and then it, it all shuts down. It's so sad to me You know and I do
1: understand in a way the mob mentality not mm-hmm. that I've been involved in a mob But if you look throughout history when p- there's injustice and there's no answer eventually civil unrest becomes the only answer and it does cause change mm. but we're not there yet mm. uh, we're not not at a point where the, the government is actually putting sanctions on African Americans or trying to bring us back to slavery <laughs> now if that happened of course civil right. unrest you yeah. know but we can still negotiate we can still learn we can still educate yeah. you know for, so for us to go that extreme now, Again, is being prompted by opportunists for whatever reason that they have. And I think one thing that would help also with our church as we begin to integrate more and more uh, cultural things, every Sunday morning, we sing James Brown, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. <laughs> no, I'm just joking.
0: <laughs> See some old white lady, say it well, loud. Well, you're going to have to say that again because I'm so white that that just went right over my head.
1: You remember? You ever heard the James song, James Brown song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud? It's from the 60s.
0: Okay, I'm going to go and, and, and look it up. you got to right look up. it up. And we're done. But I'm just joking. Of course, that would never work.
1: <laughs> some people <who> are older <laughs> will get it and they're probably laughing and thinking, well, you know, this guy's an idiot.
0: <laughs>
1: but that's part of how I deal with things in my life, too. As you know me, humor. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I try to... Bring levity to it because then it gets the endorphins going, and I'm able to see clearer. You That's know? So, so good. Yeah.
0: That's so good. What can what can we do yeah. as a church to um, to keep growing in in being a church where uh, where African American people, people of uh, non Anglo, non white cultures, are 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 glad to be a part of this body.
1: To try to integrate cultures in every aspect of our ministry. I don't mean like, okay, we're going to have a black pastor here, we're going to have um, if we're in the 60s, we're going to have Negro Day today, you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But to really integrate it. That, yeah. I, I said that. you didn't say <laughs> that. Uh, even to have it in our music. Because if you think about it, when we come in, our music still reflects the Caucasian culture. Mm, you know, so, true. and not to say, okay, today we're going to try something new, but make it um, organic. You know, slip in a, 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 an Israel Houghton. He's a little, mm-hmm. you know, Safer, you know, I don't mean to go full church guy in Christ, but but to have a mixture of music, um, to, to make the culture seem like it's integrated more so than mm-hmm. we're accepting everyone, but we still have our culture predominantly, wow. and I understand that because that is the predominant group of people. But for it to really change, people need to come in and see them in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see it's in worship also, not just because Donovan's there, who is the greatest guy in the world, I love Donovan, very talented, mm-hmm. but also. Yes, they're also playing some of our music. Mm. They're also doing this. So it's not just about seeing the people there, but it's having the actual culture. Mm. You know, we should even have some time... more of a Latino-style music, you know, mm. just different things, there's, there's so much out there that we can use mm. um, that's that's safe, that's not too far off, you know, yeah. people to make them uncomfortable. Some people may love it, you may be surprised, some people may come up and say, you know, this was the best Sunday service as far as worship I've ever had, and you know, I love the music, you know, mm. people would get more involved, we won't have to prompt people so much, mm. you know, because if you play some good music that black people like, you know, we're gonna get up, <laughs> and it's gonna make everybody else get up, All right. you know, so that's gonna build that culture. You know, it may feel uncomfortable first, but after a while, people start really to get into it mm-hmm. and they will begin to appreciate
0: the differences and what it brings. Mm-hmm. Pastor Reggie, I so appreciate you. I really do. I I'd appreciate you to honor you as one of our pastors in our church. And I thank you for speaking into the lives of uh, so many brothers and sisters today uh, in this moment. And uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, I just want to say hello to a few more people that jumped in to join us for the conversation, Uh, Glenn and, and uh, James Gene, thanks for honoring Reggie. Gene Mitchell says, Reggie's a peacemaker. Uh, Thanks for blessing us. Thank you, Gene. I I totally agree. Even the the posture that you have for a conversation like this, I know what it represents is Mm -hmm. that you've personally worked through pain, frustration, anger, and and. But you still choose mm-hmm. to, uh, to move towards Donna. Thanks for joining us and uh, Gene and
1: I set that up, so I have to pay him
0: later. Okay, <laughs> Gary. Thanks for uh, uh, being a part of this uh, today. Brandy, appreciate um, the problems were already there. Brandy. Uh, the problems were already there. The people uh, who feel a certain way already felt that way. The difference from four years ago today are not that those people have changed. They have lifted the veil and, um, I agree. and feel empowered to speak th- uh, what their hate yeah, is. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, J- Jim Harris, thanks for, for being there. Brent, glad you're here. And um, yeah. Pa- uh, Glenn Pryor says, Pastor Reggie, you are as soulful, as soulful as the Godfather himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have that cool... He's talking about James, James Brown. James Brown, he knows. <laughs> I don't have that cool beard that Glenn has, though. <laughs> well... With the white and the black. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think maybe what we need to do as we wrap up this conversation is, is pray. Yes. And uh, would you pray first, and then I'll wrap it up, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Heavenly Father, right now, first of all,
1: I always thank you for your love and your mm-hmm. grace toward me and the body of Christ and, you, and the Lord. world, Lord. Thank you. Lord. Uh, it is your desire that all men will be saved. And that means mankind, men and mm-hmm. women. And so that is our primary job. Um, to make that happen to bring that to fruition and when we do otherwise we do you a discredit and we actually walk in disobedience Jesus. It's not about our race even though that is important and you see color mm-hmm. Those who say they don't see color when they get to heaven. They're going to see color. Hmm. So they're going to be surprised <laughs> So that it is important. But Lord, we need to heal Jesus. and yeah. the healing comes from the church mm-hmm. Uh, If the church aligns itself with the world, there will be no healing because through the church, the power of the Holy Spirit causes all things to happen. And if we are silent or we are in opposition to what we should be doing, then the Holy Spirit does not have a venue to work through. And that is the body of Christ. So as a body, we have to come together. We have to look past our differences, our misunderstandings, or even our um, outright experiences of real things that happen to us or are happening to us every day. We have to look past that and look to you because that's where our, you are our source. And nothing's going to change until we do that. We can have all the programs we want. We can talk about how you should be a Democrat or how you should be a Republican or how can you be a Democrat and be a Christian. None of that matters. Mm-hmm. What matters is, are you a Christian? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you doing what God told you to do? And that's the bottom line. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how much it goes against your flesh or against what other people are saying, We have to stand out, like Pastor John, and not be afraid if we stand alone even knowing that God will still always have your back and the kingdom and the world will be rewarded just as you will be rewarded for being obedient. And so I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for Pastor John. He is an incredible man, become an incredible friend, Lord, over these 12 years. Um, and so I, I, and we share a lot in common. We mm-hmm. both deal with, with uh, chronic illness. And and so he is my pastor for this time, uh, not to uh, discount my pastors in the past who were great and made me become the man I am today. But for this season or dispensation, he is my, my mm-hmm. pastor. And so I thank, thank you me. for that, Laura. And I thank you for, um, you. center point church and the people I've met and the support that I have, um, great people. And I love this church. I love its body. Thank and it's my desire to see us become that leader, um, in this nation, not just in this area, um, that's leading people toward what to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. I know we can do it. We have it in us. We have the right teaching. We have all the tools we need. Mostly we have Jesus and we oh, have the hallelujah. Holy spirit. So we have to operate according to your word. Lord, to bring healing.
0: Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for this moment that uh, Reggie and I could sit down and just talk openly. And Lord, we want to, as two pastors in this church, we want to take authority over the spirit of hatred Amen. and shut it down in any way that it would manifest in any people that are part of Center Point Church um, on either end of the spectrum, uh, whether white or black. I want to ask that you would allow hatred to be shut down and instead the love of Jesus to be re- released. And thank you for the promise that what we bind on earth is bound and what we loose is loosed. And so we bind hatred. We absolutely bind it from off of Centerpoint Church. I renounce the spirit of hatred. I break it off of the church that I lead in Jesus' name. No racial hatred from white people towards blacks. No racial hatred from black people toward whites. No, in Jesus' name. And I lose love in Jesus' name. A real love. A real love that comes from the heart of Jesus Christ. A love that would say, how can I be a part of binding up the brokenhearted? How can I be a part of that mission of Jesus, that part of the mission of Jesus? So, Lord, we pray a blessing over our church that as a body, we would keep on stepping toward each other in love and desire for connection and community and friendship. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I just say one more thing if I can. If you
1: are not black or white, <laughs> you're still in the equation. Come on. And so you, you. you don't
0: have to choose a side. Right. Choose Jesus. Wow. And you'll still be on the right side. Come on. Like Toby Nguye. Man. Yes. <laughs> try Jesus. <laughs> you see, I don't know if you've seen his video. He's wearing like the aquamarine suit. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah try Jesus. Yeah. Don't try me. Yeah, <laughs> i <I'll> throw fists. <laughs> try Jesus. Oh, man. Thank you, Pastor Reggie, for Thank being you. with us. Thank Thanks, you for having everybody, me. for being a part of our CP Table podcast conversation today. Pastor Reggie and I are glad to, um, to answer. If you got some questions, you can type it in the comments or sh- shoot either one of us a message through Facebook or uh, an email. And otherwise, we'll see you soon. God bless you. God bless you.